right into a text that really kind of caught me this week. So turn to uh, Psalm 56. It's kind of sad and it's to our detriment that we don't take full advantage of the Psalms. The Psalms spoke to Israel directly and to the young church. The Psalms spoke to every area of their lives and they sung them to one another. They sung them in the midst of persecution. They reminded each other of God's faithfulness. And this is one of those Psalms that we, if we employed the Psalms more often in our lives, it would really help with some situations that just don't make sense. And especially when we're looking at this book of First Peter that was written to the church in the midst of persecution. Look at Psalm 56. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 4. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Wow. What can flesh do to me? This is the reality for many believers throughout history. This is the reality of many believers today. Around the world, they're being attacked and mocked for their faith. Would this be our response? And I had to ask myself reading over this, would this be my response? Could I read this in the midst of real persecution and say, but in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Well, the reality for us is that what flesh or what other people do has an effect on us. We can't help it. And we take many things to heart and we take many things personally and we take things upon ourselves and we let what's happening around us affect how we feel. We let others affect how we look at God, how we look at God's word and how we look at one another. It's very, very difficult to remain content, to remain joyful in the midst of these circumstances. And so are we the type of people that when things go wrong, we say, in God, I will trust. I will not fear what any person does to me. What what can any flesh do to me? That's a hard thing to do. But one thing we have in common in this room is that every one of us is going to face situations where we either trust in God and fear Him and lean on Him, or we fear man. We trust in what people can do or won't do for us. And in this morning, this theme of the, the text in Peter is about blessing others and being blessed. And so overall, the general theme is one of contentment. It's something that people love to say that I'm blessed. I mean, you see it on people's Instagram and, and Twitter all the time, you know, the hashtag blessed, right? But what does that mean? Because many times that's just wrapped up in people's circumstances. Well, because things are going well right now, I feel blessed. Or I'm saying that I'm blessed because of what's going on today. But is that true blessing? Is that true contentment? And contentment is something that everyone seeks, but very few achieve. And what does contentment look like biblically? 
I'll give you an easy definition. What is, what is contentment? It is peace and joy in any circumstance. Think about that. How often do you have peace and joy in any circumstance? Where does that, where does that come from? Does that sound familiar? Peace and joy? That's what's offered us in Christ. And that is the only place that real contentment is going to be found. And the question for us today as we look through this text and as we're reminded of the gospel and reminded of our calling is can we be content in the good times and the bad? Can we praise God when things are not going well? Can we remember to thank him when things are going well? And is our contentment rooted in him? I think you'll realize that if we take scripture literally, especially this passage we're going to look at this morning, it makes us so different from the rest of the world. Because this is completely opposite from what the rest of the world does. They hate God whenever things go wrong. When things go well, they just have themselves to thank. And when other people criticize them, they want to criticize back. They want vindication. But we're to be holy, set apart, different, other from the rest of the world. And in that, we are blessed. Because our blessing is not dependent on people. It's not dependent on circumstances. What does it mean to be blessed? We're going to look at a couple of these, but I think Jesus gave us the the best picture of what it means to be blessed. His most famous sermon begins with a list of blesseds. And it's not the list that you would think. It's not blessed are those who everything goes right. And it's not blessed are those who are never sick. It's not blessed are those who are never tired. It's not blessed are those who get a raise. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who suffer persecution for righteousness' sake. What does it mean to be blessed? We'll see this as we go on. But it means that in all those circumstances, in any circumstances, my God is ever by my side. That song, neither poverty nor riches, I'm glad Justin explained it the way he did. That song is one of my favorites. I've, I've been selfishly trying to find a way to sneak it into a, a service. I keep telling Justin, could we play it this week? This week. So, but it's this great reminder that whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, whether things are going well or not, you are all I need. And Lord, don't give me too much to where I forget you. And don't give me too little to where I forget you and I want to get for myself. Let's look at our text this morning in that lens. And walk back through it. So we're in First Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 8, I'm going to read through verse 14. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless... For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, and let his lips from and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are open to their prayer. And the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, 
nor be troubled. Let's pray. Lord, you are our refuge and our strength, our firm rock and our redeemer. Lord, forgive us when we look for comfort elsewhere. Forgive us when we look for peace elsewhere. Forgive us when we look for joy elsewhere. Lord, let us never forget where our hope comes from. Let us be able to praise your name and celebrate who you are no matter what is going on around us. And in those times, we will ever be reminded of your goodness, your faithfulness, your grace and mercy toward us who don't deserve it. So that we can show grace and mercy to others who don't deserve it. Lord, I just pray that this message would encourage and challenge us. That we would walk boldly in your name. That we would seek our peace and our joy in you. In the work of your Son and by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this begins with the word finally. So that means it's tied to what comes before it. So just to kind of set the context, this address we looked at a couple weeks ago is Peter stepping into the pastoral role. All the way back in chapter 2, verse 11, he starts with beloved. So he goes from the preacher who's proclaiming everything that Christ has done on their behalf, who Christ is, and then he leans in, kind of comes across the table, beloved. Family conversation here, gather around, have a few things to tell you. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. And he begins, these believers who are out of place in the world. And he tells them in the next section, as good citizens, be subject to authority. That's all of you. Then he goes on to talk to servants, workers, work unto the Lord and not unto man. Because even if you suffer under the hands of an unrighteous master, You're suffering like Christ did under the hands of unrighteous men. And he goes on, likewise, wives, this conversation of submission and obedience and what balance looks like in the home continues with husbands. And then finally, all of you. So all these people in mind are still listening. This is still to them. This is still to us. This is still to believers. In this continued spirit of submission and peace. Finally, he begins with some marks of a healthy body. Look at this list here in verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. This is a little out of place for us, but if you think about what the church was going through in this time in the first century, they were being thrown to the lions, they were being persecuted. So in the midst of all that, he's not telling them run for cover. He's not telling them grab a sword and fight back. He's telling them have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love. Because even in the midst of suffering and persecution, what is Peter concerned about? He's concerned about their love for one another, the health of the body. He's concerned for their contentment. He's concerned for their love for the Lord and one another. Look at this, this list, this all-encompassing list 
of unity in the body. He's not talking about, well, you over here do this and you over here do this. This is a command to everyone. No matter what your role is in the body, this is for everyone. Unity of mind. Be like-minded. Does that mean we're always going to think the same thoughts? No. God didn't create us with the same brains. But our unity is in Christ. And we are to have that like-mindedness with one another. We are to see things as Christ sees them. We're to make things a priority that God makes a priority. This was his prayer for us in John 17. When Jesus has this intimate moment with the Father. And he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Christ's concern for us was not that we don't go through persecution. Because he also mentions that in John 17. They're going to hate you like they hate me. But in that, be one. Because my father and I are one, and you are mine, and I've made you one with us. That's the foundation for all of these these characteristics, is this oneness, this unitedness in Christ. And so because we're united in Christ, we can have sympathy with one another. You're broken, I'm broken. When you fall, I can be there and have sympathy for you. And when I fall, I hope you have sympathy for me, and we can bear one another's burdens and we can cry with one another and laugh with one another because we realize that I've received grace and I don't deserve it. And you've received grace and you don't deserve it. And so we can be sympathetic people who fall short of that grace every day. Show brotherly love. That in the body, looking around the room, and whenever you meet with other believers, whenever you attend another church and you look around the room, Those are brothers and sisters. People love to say that blood is thicker than than water, right? And so they will use that excuse to say, I will choose my family, even the ones who don't know the Lord and who are destructive and family is above everything. Well, if blood is thicker than water, how thick is the blood of Christ? How thick is the blood that paid for and bought your sins? If I'm covered in that blood and you're covered in that blood, what kind of brothers and sisters does that make us? Do you ever ever think about the bond that we have in Christ? What brotherly love really looks like? When you just didn't come out of the same womb, you came out of the same grave. And then we share in the likeness of Christ. Then unity brings on a whole new meaning. It also says here to have a tender heart. Kind of a weird phrase, and you can't translate this directly, but really the sense in the Greek is when they say heart, they mean your inner being. The language here is, is literally in your, your bowels. They're saying from the depths of who you are, care for one another. From the very center of your being, love one another. Be tender-hearted from your, your very DNA. And have a humble mind. Godly wisdom comes with humility. This is not stacking up knowledge for the sake of knowledge. This is not uh, loading up on information so you can look smarter than someone else. Yes, we should study God's word. Be humble in our minds, humble in our approach. And if we run our knowledge through the rest of these, it, it will help. How, how do we exercise humility of, of mind? 
or we have unity with one another. We have sympathy for one another. We love one another. We are tender-hearted toward one another. If you are thinking all of those things, it is really hard to be arrogant within yourself. It is really hard to trust in your own self-righteousness or your own knowledge. It helps us to be humble. If you look down this list, I mean, this is how we should function as a body. This is the things that, are, that we should be known for. And what would happen if we did? What would happen if when people look at us, they see this list? When we look at each other, we see this list. What type of body would we be? What type of an effect would we have? Do you know how contagious this would be if this is what we were known for? Why? Because the rest of the world looks nothing like this. And every religion on the planet and every system tries to, tries to find this unity and this brotherly love, but it will, it will never last. Why will it never last? Because it's rooted in things that, that don't last. Because you can have the greatest set of principles in the world, but if those principles, if your religion, if your worldview is not rooted in something that doesn't change, it will eventually change. But for us, our unity is rooted in Christ. Our sympathy is rooted in Christ. Our compassion is rooted in Christ. Our humble minds and our tender hearts are rooted in Christ, which does not change. And so we have the capacity to look like this. We have the capacity to make the rest of the world say, wow, what do they have? I want that. I want to be that person. I mean, this is what every believer wants, right? Isn't that what every believer desires is to walk into a church and say, you know what? This church is unified. It's sympathetic. They love one another. They're caring. They're humble. They faithfully proclaim, proclaim, proclaim God's word and sing his praises. Regardless of what color the walls or the carpet are, Every believer wants these things in a church. Every believer wants to be a part of this kind of body. This is who we should seek to be. Other things come and go. Circumstances change. But this is what Christ died for. To make us one in him. So that we would love him and love others well. well how do we do this? We don't have to go far. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Turn to the first chapter of Peter. Look at verse 13. I'm going to read 13 through 16. So how do we become this unified body? I mean, Peter's been setting us up all along. Look back in 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A long sentence that basically says, get your minds right. Be sober-minded. Don't be caught up in other things. Put your hope fully on the grace of Jesus Christ. And then what? And then as obedient, obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former, former ignorance. So look like Christ, not like the world. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We fix our eyes on Christ. We turn our back on the way that we used to think and the way that we used to live. And we remind ourselves that our God is holy. And he set us apart to be holy. And then we can be these type of people. 
And if it feels like, man, we're a long way from that or I'm a long way from that, you're, you're in good company. And this is what we do for the rest of our lives, is that we, we make mistakes and we get mad and, and we take things personal and we remind ourselves of who Christ is and who our Father is and what he bought us to. And we find our peace and our joy in him. And then we do it all over again. And we do it all over again. But each time, it's like the refiner's fire that builds us up and strengthens us in Christ. And it's only through those times of failing, only through those times of falling short, do we run back to our Father and say, I screwed up again. So I still love you. Still bought you. You're still mine. Now go and love one another like I love you. And every time that happens, we look more and more like our God. So in short, if we look at all this, I mean, what's the secret to a healthy church? I mean, there aren't any secrets. It's we are. If we're just people who humbly follow Christ, submit to the leadings of the Spirit, and do it all for the glory of our Father, we will look like this. Not perfectly, but we will look more and more like this every day if that is our goal. Let's go on to verse 9. So he sets the groundwork here. Be these kind of people. Verse 9, don't be these kind of people. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary. All right, before we finish this, this verse, I mean, how different does this look than the rest of the world? I mean, the rest of the world, especially right now, Right now, everything is an argument. Everything is, you said this, I'm going to say this back to you to get even, and I'm going to take it one step further. I mean, how radical is it that when people persecute you, when people revile you, when they, revi- when they make fun of you, when they spit in your face, I mean, this happens to believers every day. Don't re- repay in kind. I mean, this book was written in the context of some of the worst persecution ever. Thankfully, this doesn't happen anymore, and the culture loves us now. But we are to be reminded that when the culture doesn't love us, and it's going to love us less and less, we don't return, we don't act like the culture, we don't return the way they do. We remember that we're unified in Christ. Because when I'm facing trials, you remind me of who I am in Christ. And when you're facing trials, I remind you of who you are in Christ. And what he did for us. And we remember, okay, my identity is in him. My contentment is in him. And I am blessed. So, but on the contrary, Peter continues, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. I mean, last, or two weeks ago, he said we were called to suffering. That's not too encouraging, but we're also called to blessing. To this you were called. Yes, there's going to be suffering in this life. Yes, there is suffering to follow Christ. But it is ultimately blessing. It is ultimately glory. And that's what we're to focus on in the midst of the suffering. We are known to be people who bless others, not curse them. We are known to be witnesses and an example. So as we go through things, people see us and see something different. They see Christ. You know how crazy Christ looked to the rest of the world? When they ridiculed him and they beat him and they mocked him and they took him to the cross. He didn't say a word. 
didn't lash back out at them. I mean, all of us in our, our natural desires, someone does something to us, we want to prove our point, we want to stand up for ourselves, we want to make the argument for why you're wrong. The greatest argument Jesus made was that he didn't lash back out at them, and so people repented at the cross. People repented because of his witness, and that is much harder than to lash back out at someone who's lashing out at you. How do we bless others? We care for them when they're not caring. We're kind to them when they don't deserve kindness. To be up on your screen, uh, this is kind of a reiteration of Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. Many of you may, may know this. Uh, this is one of the hardest things to get in the Christian life, but uh, Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it. Jesus alludes to it. Proverbs. You got it? All right, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Sound familiar? This is exactly what Peter's saying here. Your enemy, you can assume they don't like you. Give him something to drink. Give them something to eat. Show them kindness when they don't deserve it. And you will shame them. The Lord will put hot coals on, on, on their head. But he will also reward you. So this is something that is not new. This is something that was always taught to God's people. To not be like your enemies. To look to the reward of the Lord and not the reward of others. Okay, this is easy to spot outside the church and people you don't know. What about inside the church? Do we have that kind of patience with one another? Because many times the deepest scars and the deepest pain we feel, the things that we take most personally, are those we care about. Are those who are closest to us, those who we allow in. Whether they mean to or not, they end up saying things that keep going around and around in our heads. And can we show the same grace and mercy and blessing to those we love, those who are enemies we'll never see again? Though that might even be harder. The person you know you're going to see next week. The person you know you're going to see the next day. Let us be those kind of people within the body and not just with our enemies as well. Because when it comes down to it, we bless others because we are blessed. And the blessing comes from who we are in Christ. And when Peter is talking about this here, and he says you were called uh, to this, to bless others, that you may obtain a blessing. This is not something that you earn, but something that you inherit. This is not something that's potential, but that is promised. Let me say that again. This, this blessing, we don't bless others so that we may earn a blessing. We bless others because we've inherited a blessing through Jesus Christ. And it's not something that's potential if we do good enough. It's promised. 
And that is such an encouragement that whether we're faithful or not, our God is faithful to us. We can never tire of hearing the blessing that we've received in Christ. He took on suffering and and beating and took on our sins and took on the wrath of God so that we could receive the blessing in him, rising to new life, becoming his sons and daughters, having an eternal inheritance in him. And that blessing we obtain in this life isn't taken away when we die, it's just magnified. But we are in this life, and Peter knows that, and Peter's quoting the Psalm 34, which, as I found out this week, is a really important psalm to the early church. Because in the midst of persecution, Psalm 34, which we're going to look at a couple verses of in, in a minute, is extremely relevant when someone is attacking you, when someone is opposing you. And so Peter quotes directly from Psalm 34, whoever desires to love life and see good days. It's not a bad thing to love life. It's not a bad thing to want good things in this life. Our father wants that for us. He's a good father. He gives good gifts. If we want good gifts, if we want good things, what do we do? Do we earn it? Do we work for it? No, we, do. we have to do something that's probably more difficult, right? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Do you want to feel blessed? Do you want to feel like the Lord is with you in the, when you're going through things? Don't curse others. Watch your, your, your tongue. It's kind of contrary, right? Like, can't I just do some other things? Like, can't I just work for it? Like, can't I just put my own effort for, toward? No. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. In this passage, it's addressing the whole person. First, it addresses the heart. If you desire to love life, if you have a desire to have good things in this life, and it's not a bad desire, if that's where your heart is, watch your speech. And also watch your actions. Make sure that your heart, your speech, and your actions match one another. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is a description of the righteous. Those keep their tongue from evil. Those who do good and, and, and seek peace because they've been transformed by Christ. Turn with me to Psalm 34. I love this psalm. I love this psalm because it's so honest. And it's so piercing. I want to read through a few verses. But what what I want to do, um, because I've I've heard if we read large passages here, that it's kind of hard to pay attention and, and to stay with it. What I want to do is I want to read a verse, and I want you to just take a moment to think about that. I'm going to pause for a moment. I want to walk through this as if I'm thinking about each of these lines applied to me. And how do I respond different from how David responds? Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. 
His praise shall be continually be on in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. And their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Come. Excuse me. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many good days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil. And your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off from memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. And the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I want to stop there. This was something that I learned far too late. So let me give you uh, just a little insight. I want scripture to take hold of you. Read through one line at a time. and Think on that, especially the Psalms. So they go through these different ranges of emotion. Read a verse and stop. Pray on that verse. Think on that verse. Read another verse and stop. And see what the Lord does to you. Because... We, many times we just run through these, these things and we don't spend the proper time. And you know what it means to meditate on, on God's word? 
It's to let it sink in. It's to spend time there. It's to camp out and let the Holy Spirit speak through his words. So when Peter quotes this, he's quoting it to people who understood persecution, who needed to be reminded that the Lord's face is on them, that he hears their cries, that he listens. How amazing is that? That God's eyes are on us. What greater blessing is there? What greater blessing can we be reminded of that our God sees and hears everything? And he answers prayers. And he hears our cries. He's got a plan for the wicked. He's got a plan for those who oppose him. But for his people, he sees you. He hears you. He loves you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to find your contentment and your rest in him. And he wants you to know that you are blessed through Christ. So we continue in our text back in 1 Peter. Now, there's a transition here in verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Also, what is it saying? It's really saying, what can people do to you? I mean, really, if you trust in the Lord, this God who we just read about in Psalm 34, if you're reminded of this psalm, what can people do? That's why the psalms are so helpful. Because they remind us who our God is. They remind us who we are in him. Some of Jesus' strongest words speaking to this very thing. Should be up on your screen this time. Matthew 10, 28. In the midst of talking to the Pharisees, Jesus says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. When we're reminded of how we fear others, how we look to others for approval, how we, we, we try to please others, because of what they may do to us, this is what we're to think of. They have no power over me. They can't make, they can't change anything in eternality. My God has the power to give life, to banish to hell forever. And through Christ, he's given me life, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen? But even if, You are to suffer for righteousness sake. You will be blessed. Remember, the the basis of all this suffering is Christ as our example. Back in chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. So even if you are to suffer for doing good, you will be blessed. Because Christ is our example, because he promised it. And we're, whenever we do face suffering, whenever we do face trials, we look to Christ and we're reminded of what he's done for us. And suddenly our sufferings come into perspective. If you suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Jesus tells us that exact same thing. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. What is righteousness? Christ is the perfect embodiment of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my namesake. My namesake. It's not what we would associate with blessing. 
But we have to remember that blessing is not based on our circumstances. Even as much as we're trained to think so. We're trained to think you're blessed if good things happen to you. You're blessed if everything goes right. But what if it doesn't? Because if your system of of feeling blessed is only based on your circumstances, what happens when things go wrong? What happens when people persecute you? What happens when you lose your job? What happens when you get sick? All of a sudden, your blessing that's tied to these other things is no longer a blessing. It's a curse. If that's how you view God as a genie who only gives you the good things that you want when you want them, then you won't feel blessed. But if our blessing has nothing to do with our circumstances, we can be content in all things. Because we recognize where our blessing comes from, it's easier to bless others. Because we are kingdom representatives. If you are in Christ, you are that list in the Beatitudes. The poor in spirit. And the meek. And the peacemakers. And those persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Because if we forgot already in verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are on you. He sees you. He hears your cry. He listens. That is what it means to be blessed. So, as he concludes here, have no fear of them, those who persecute you, those who come after you for doing good things, nor be troubled. The number one command in all of Scripture, anyone know what it is? Anyone? Do not fear. Fear not. Because God knows we are fearful people. There are many things that, that we fear that, that discourage us. But over and over and over again, fear not. Because I have overcome the world. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for you are blessed in me. Those are important words if you understand where your blessing comes from. And so we must be people who undergo the same change that, that Peter did. Remember what Peter looked like? Peter was a very fearful person. He feared Jesus' death. He feared to be associated with Jesus. He feared the scorn of being near Jesus or being, being called his disciple to being someone who boldly proclaimed Jesus and only feared God. So let us be people who move from a fear of others and a fear of circumstances to a fear of God. And the next week we're going to look at what it means to revere Christ and honor him as holy and be a witness in the midst of these sufferings. So just a quick conclusion. We can be tent, we can be content in all things. Because our contentment is not based on our circumstances. It's based on Christ. Our our joy and our peace is not in what others can do to us. It's what Christ has done for us. Because Christ blessed us and gave us grace when we didn't deserve it, we can bless others and give them grace and be a witness for the grace that lies within us to a world who desperately needs it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is piercing 
that it is convicting, that it is powerful. That when we try to run and hide, that we try to curl into our own fears, that you don't let us leave. When we open your, your word, it reads our hearts. It knows how we feel. It knows how we struggle because your spirit guides us in our reading. But as we read, Lord, let us be reminded of how blessed we are in you. Let us be reminded of all of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Let us be reminded of our eternal inheritance in you. Let us never forget that we are yours and there is nothing anyone can do to change that. And because we are yours, we want to be like you. We want to give good gifts. We want to be able to bless others. We want to love others like you love us. We want to be people who are united, who are sympathetic, who are caring, who are tender-hearted, who are rooted in your word and humbly serve you because we love you and we love others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his sacrifice for us, for his example of suffering, and by your spirit that dwells in us and guides us.